to talk about pressure. I want to talk about the fact that we all live with pressure in our life. We all feel with weight on our life. We all feel, we all live with, with I got to pay the bills. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And, and there's this, this overwhelmingness sometimes in life that says, can you get it all done? Can you be the person that you want to be? These, these false expectations of what you're supposed to be and what life is supposed to look like. I, I, I love this thought process. It says, grapes must be crushed to make wine. Diamonds are formed under pressure. Olives are pressed to release the oil, and seed grows in the darkness. Whenever you feel crushed, under pressure, pressed, or in darkness, you're in a powerful place of transformation. Trust the process. Trust God. See, a lot of times, we, we like the joy moments. We like when, when, when everything feels right, when everything's working together, when, when everything just kind of clicks into place. We call those the mountaintop experiences. We like those because it just kind of, it, it kind of gives us that <sighs> moment. But if you live there 24-7, you wouldn't know what it's like to win. You wouldn't know what it's like to, to have to ha- put in faith because faith isn't built on the mountaintop. It's built in the moments where you're challenged, right? Character, character isn't formed in having it all together, because it's real easy to say, well, I'm, I'm good under pressure. It's real easy to say that. And, then, and, and some of you know those people that'll say that, and then they live it, and you're like, no, you're not. You're horrible under pressure. But it's real easy to say. That's like people saying, well, yeah, you know, I'm good with people. And then, like, they interact with people, and you're like, you're horrible with people. Like, I don't know who lied to you. It's, it's like the guy that goes on, you know, American Idol or America's Got Talent. It's like, my mom says I'm like the greatest singer ever. And then they start singing and she, she bangs, she bangs. You know, you're like, God, tell William Hung to get out of here. Your mama lied to you. Your mama lied. Okay? And sometimes we're, you know, people in your life, they are not willing to tell you the hard things. Like, hey, listen, bro, you suck with people. You need to work on that. And so we think we've got it all together and we can do this, but the reality is is that we don't know until we actually experience it, until we have those tough moments, and it's what builds us and grows us. And, and that's the thing. You that like wine, you wouldn't have it without a grape being smashed. Those that like diamonds wouldn't, ha- wouldn't have them if they weren't formed in pressure. We, we love us some, some olive oil. It's on everything, right? I mean, we use it to cook for everything. I, I, uh, in, in California, my friends bought me this, this bottle. I think I still, like, I use this stuff, like, so sparingly now because I'm running low and I'm, I'm, I'm dreading the day that it's gone. It's a smoked olive oil. I don't know how they make it. I don't know what magic they put into it. But I, like, I use it on, uh, on meat. I'll, I'll, I'll pour it on there and, and, and oh, it's so good. Wouldn't have it without the process. But then when it comes to our life, we're like, whoa, God, ease easy, easy up on the process. Ease up on the, the challenges. Ease up on the things that, that are hard. I want to look through some scriptures today, and I want you to realize that there's a, there are some tips and tools, and this is what we're going to look at the month of November. How do we walk through the times of pressure in our life and maintain our faith and actually grow through them and become the person that God has called us to be and, be, and, and show off God's goodness in the middle of the pressure moments? So I want to read a very encouraging scripture 
John 16, 33. I'm going to read it in the, the Passion Translation. It says this. And everything I taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and it will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Now, if we just stop right there, you're like, yeah, that is really encouraging, Pastor Scott. I want that peace. I want that rest. I want the, I want the type of peace that Jesus in the, in, the, in the boat with the water coming over the edge and he's taking a nap. Like, I want that peace, right? Here's the problem. <laughs> There's the rest of the scripture. <laughs> For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Ever heard of a compliment sandwich? It's, it's, it's what in, in, in business and in management a lot of times they'll, they'll tell you to do, right? Tell them something good. You know, Deanne, that coffee you made was really great probably need to ease up on how much actual coffee you put in. You're going to create psychos around Camden. But listen, you serve it well. It's a, it's a compliment sandwich. Two compliments that make something that maybe you can work on. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that uh, bring on the, 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 the hard, you know, hard coffee that's going to, you know. Uh, we're all good with it, okay? We're all good with it. A bunch of uh, caffe- caffeinated Camdenites just... <laughs> we went from like one coffee shop to five, you freaks, okay? Ease up. <laughs> bunch of bunch of people just what's more coffee? Must. But but the reality is is that is that this is like a compliment scripture sandwich. It says, listen, you want my peace? I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna give it to you so that you can rest like I rest. But I want you to know that sorrow's gonna come and trouble's gonna come. But don't worry. Because I'm in you, so you got to be courageous in faith because I've already overcome the world. See, here's the, here's, the, here's the caveat to that scripture, is that so many times we come to know Jesus and we go, God, why does life still feel so hard? I thought I was supposed to have your peace. I thought I was supposed to have your comfort. You are, and you do, and you will if you walk out your faith. But here's the problem. Jesus told his believers, you're going to experience trouble. You're going to experience heartache. You're going to experience the pressures of life that overwhelm us and, and, and can easily overtake us if we don't rely on him. Jesus promises pressure in life, but he also provides the answers. In the month of November, I want to look at some practical tips and tools to overcome the pressures of life so that we're not caught in a roller coaster of life, always trying to just get out of a low point. But it's up to us to follow the game plan, to live out his word and his will and his spirit. See, a lot of times, here's the problem, is that, that we are, we're, we're blaming God for the steps that we're not willing to take. God, why does it always seem so hard? And he's like, listen, I gave you the plan. Yes, I promised you that it's going to be hard. I promised you heartache. I promised there's going to be sorrows in your life, Mr. Randy. Uh, Listen, you know, your body's going to fail at times, and you're going to have to go through crazy surgeries, and, you know, they're going to have to play operation on your body. This man had, like, his whole insides, like, you know, two hernias at one time. that's That's just crazy. God, why me? Your word says that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm to be healed. I've never, you know, and there's, listen, there are, there are the crazy thought processes of Christianity that say, oh, well, if you love Jesus, you should never get sick. You know, there, there are variations of, of, that, of Christianity that will say, if you get sick, it's because you've got sin in your life. 
And how, how horrible of a thought process is that, that every time you get sick, you're rummaging through your brain going, what did I do wrong? God, why don't you love me? Why aren't you healing me? No, Jesus said, I promise that this world, it's going to have that. It's going to have sickness. It's going to have trouble. It's going to have sorrow. But when you walk with me, I'm going to give you the peace that you need to walk through those times. I'm going to give you the rest that you need to walk through those times. You're like SpongeBob. <laughs> so you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, where is he going with this? I mean, just think about it. And maybe not so much SpongeBob, because that's just a little weird, like a sponge that lives in the ocean and it doesn't expand all the time, right? But, but like a sponge, you soak up whatever it, it gives you, right? You're just soaking it up. If I had a big old sponge, one of those construction sponges in me, and I cracked open a soda and I poured soda all over it, how could I expect fresh water to come out of that if I squeezed it? And so many times in our life, we want the goodness of God and the blessing of God, and we want the mercy and grace of God to flow from our life. But the problem is, is that we're not pouring the right substance in. And so when pressure happens, and this is what pressure does, pressure show, okay, unless you're a magician, you know, you can't pour soda into a sponge and squeeze it and water come out. It doesn't happen. And, and, and we get really like heartbroken when we realize, oh God, why am I struggling through this moment? Why am I struggling with anxiety? Why am I struggling with fear? Why am I struggling? And it's, and, and, the, and the answer would really be, what have you inserted into your life recently that causes it to come out? Because here's, here's my guarantee, and some of y'all probably would like to challenge me on this one. I, I challenge you. If you wholeheartedly, full force, seek God with your life, it's not that fear isn't there. And it's not that anxiety isn't there. And it's not that worry doesn't show up. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't have these moments of unrestfulness. But when your life is squeezed, when you've got a lot of God in you, it will overwhelm the anxiety. The peace will come over and, and, and take over that. But the problem is, is that when you feed your brain, your mind, and your spirit with things that also create that, then you can't wonder why it keeps coming out. Well, I follow these people on TikTok, or, or I watch these YouTube videos, or I've got these friends that I go hang out with at coffee, and I tell them my problems. My question is this, is does all of that feed the anxiety or does it feed the spiritual growth that you want in your life? Because what you pour into your life when squeezed is what will come out. And the Bible says that, he says, listen, but you must be courageous. It means that you need to act amongst the fear. Courage isn't doing something because you don't have it, Okay. Courage is in spite of the fear, in spite of the anxiety, in spite of the worry, in spite of what the world may say, in spite of what everybody around you sees. I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to believe that God's going to meet me there. I'm going I'm to I'm do this even though I know, like my brain goes, I know what should happen, but I'm going to trust in faith that God's going to show up. But you can't have what you're not willing to work towards. So I'm going to give you three things today under one guideline. So today what I want to talk about, and in, in all of that was kind of an intro to these three things, and I promise you that it's, it's not super long. 
But today's topic is praise. If you really want to overwhelm the pressure in your life, then there's got to be praise. There's got to be a thankfulness. There's got to be a worshipful attitude in your life. I want you to look at um, James 1, 2 through 4 in the message translation. It says this, consider it a sheer gift, friends. Look at the next words. When test and challenge come from all sides. What? Angela, considered a, a, a gift when your boss is having a bad day and takes it out on you. Take it, take it as a gift. High five him and say, that's the greatest gift I've ever received. That may freak him out, by the way. You know, don't do this. <gasps> Look at your significant other when you're in the middle of an argument and go, oh, that's the, right now, this moment right here is the greatest gift I could ever get. <laughs> when you need counseling after arts. But listen, I mean, think of it. This is a line that just seems weird. And this is, this is the Bible for you, right? Consider it sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Why? Because you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficit in any way. See, what the Bible is saying and what Jesus is saying here is, is this, is that so many times we try to get out of a circumstance too early before we learn what God is wanting to do in us. He wants to grow you. How many remember like growing pains as a teenager? Like, oh, they sucked. I didn't have them too long because God didn't grow me that big. But when I had them, they were horrible, Right? My knees were hurting, my hips were hurting, my back was hurting. I was like a little old man, like, <laughs> it was horrible. Growing pains are horrible. But could you imagine not having them? You wouldn't grow. Your body is, is feeling the pressure of, of, it, of the bones and the ligaments and everything growing at a fast rate. And faith is saying, listen, I want to grow in you. And it's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to be tough. Listen, here's a, here's a, you're going to fail at times. You're going to make mistakes. And it's okay because that's part of the growth process. And he says, listen, count it as a gift when you're challenged because it's your faith growing. And it's saying that your faith is forced to show up. Right? It's saying, it's saying what is in you has to come out of you. And so, and so when you are really growing your faith, your true colors of who you are, and that's why it's, it, it cracks me up when people go, oh, yeah, I go to church, I'm a Christian. And then I'm looking at all of their life and all of the things that they do, and I'm going, somebody forgot to tell every other aspect except for Sunday morning that you're a Christian. And it's not that I'm judging, it's just that the Bible says this, right? That what's in you will come out. And so the challenge this week is this, is that challenge what's inside of you to either change close to Jesus or to allow your faith to grow and come out of you as you go through these challenging moments. So I want to talk about praise in particular this morning. So here's three things that praise does in your life when it comes to the pressures of this world. 
And the first one is this. Praise brings perspective. Praise brings perspective. This is a perfect example of praise bringing perspective. And you're like, what are you talking about? This is off the cuff. This guitar, string broke. I could have been very mad. It almost ruined me in the moment. Really did. I'm like, ugh, I hate it. It's one of the worst things that, like, I just cannot stand guitar strings breaking in the moment. And then on top of that, I didn't have my backup guitar out. And so now the unprofessionalism, I have to stop what I'm doing. I have to walk over there and I have to grab another guitar. Only for this guitar to also be dumb and stupid. And I could have made it about me. Or I have the perspective that this has nothing to do with me. And I just get to be blessed to be a part of what God has called me to do, which is lead people to the throne room. And so I could, I could mess up every, everybody else's worship in the room by focusing on me. Oh, poor Scott and his guitar strings. Or I go... Jesus is being worshipped whether I've got a guitar or a kazoo or no voice because Jesus is worthy. So look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 13. It says this, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist has uh, when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. What does that scripture talk about as far as praise uh, and perspective? It's simply this, is that when you walk through struggles, it's, most of the time it's not even about you. So you have two options when you have hard times in life. You can make it about you or you can ask God to show up and to, sh and to teach you. When, when, when you're struggling, let's just say in marriage, okay? Let's just give that, that as, a, as an example, right? When you're struggling in a relationship, it's real easy to do one of two things, make it about you or make it about them. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to, to fight each other, Deanne and Rodney, to, to get at each other's neck and to, to yell and scream, and you don't do this right, and you don't do that right. Well, I wish you would do this better, and, and you know what? Your tone always, I just want to, you know, stick your hand in a blender and, you know, whatever. Right? Because it's, the enemy wants us to breathe, breathe chaos and breed chaos into things, whether it's relationships, workplaces, friendships, Church. Like he wants to breed division. And so how do you breed division? You have hatred or you have animosity or you have disagreements. And, and if you make it about you or you make it about the other person, then it's real easy to just become real negative and get real ugly real quick. But what happens if you stop and you pause and you say, hey, listen, this isn't even about me. So God, what would you like to show in this moment? 
And, and, and you could call it super spiritual all you want, but, but the Bible says that if, if we really want to show off Jesus in those moments, then we have to use spiritual tools. On, on Wednesday, during First Wednesday, I talked about out of Ephesians 6, and I talked about how we don't wrestle flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and darkness. And the thing is, is that when we wrestle flesh and blood, when we should be wrestling principalities and darkness, it never turns out the way that we want it to, and we don't invite God in the middle. And so it's a perspective shift. God, I'm walking through this, but I don't want to handle this wrong, and so I'm inviting you in to help me think properly, see properly, speak properly. Help me not to harbor this anger and this hurt in my heart. Right? You know, the thing about forgiveness is that when you finally give it or receive it, it's very rarely about you. You know, if I had an issue with Chris, I'm just going to hold on to it. Chris, he's always trying to do solos. I can't stand him. He's always trying to take the limelight and worship. I could probably solo as good as him. That's not real. I'm just letting y'all know. Just, okay. But, but, I, but I just allow it to eat at me and eat at me and eat at me. He doesn't know this. He's just christening along his way. And I'm just over here just, his guitar strings don't break. This is also my guitar strings. His guitar strings don't break. And if I, and then God goes, hey, it's dummy. Why don't you stop being annoyed at him and let him know that you need to apologize. And so I come to him and I'm like, man, Chris, you know what? I've, I've been holding this into my heart. I can't stand it. I, I, it's just been eating away at me. Man, the last few weeks have just been horrible. Every day I wake up and I'm frustrated. And he goes, man, I accept your apology. But honestly, <laughs> didn't affect my life one bit but it freed me. See, the problem is we hold on to things and we go through things and we deal with things and we think that we're making his life miserable and all along, the only thing we're making miserable is ourselves. Most of the time, forgiveness is to set ourselves free of the hurt and the anger that we are holding on to. And praise when we put God first in our life. Right? Thanksgiving. Literally broken down means to give thanks. And we just fly by those words. What if we stopped every day and just said, God, I'm thankful? Because it's real easy in this society to look at what everybody else has and go, I don't have that. God goes, but what do you have? What are you thankful for? And it doesn't even have to be material things. I think so many times we get wrapped up in like to be thankful means that we have to be thankful for my house and my car and my clothes and my money and my bank account. No, what God, I'm thankful that I have the ability to, to grow closer to you. God, I have the ability to live in a society that still allows me to worship you freely. God, I'm, I'm thankful for the friends that, that challenge and correct me and change me. I, I, I'm thankful for my faith that every day I get to wake up and I get to hold on to a God that loves and cares for me enough to go to the cross for me. I'm thankful. And when you are thankful, your perspective will shift. Let me challenge you with this, this thought process. What if, in those moments of worry, 
in those moments that you're anxious, in those moments where nothing's going right, if you just hit the pause button in life and you go, I'm going to give God five seconds of praise. Sometimes we need a praise break in our life and in our day to just reset where our mind is at. Because the enemy is going to come at you and throw all this negative stuff. Oh, bad day, horrible day, people don't like you. You know, you're not dressed right, whatever. Oh, the coffee shop's crazy. Oh, this, that. You know, we're just throwing all these things at everybody. Hey, hey, everybody have a little bit of everything that's just horrible. Marriages are bad. And, and you know what? Economy sucks. Hey, everybody gets a little bit of Grinchness. So that we can just, just all be just, Ur. and think about this. What happens is when you hit the pause button on those negative and those worries and those anxieties and, and, the, and, the, and the social cultural norms, and you hit the pause and you go, hold on, I'm going to give God some praise for a minute. Negative thought cannot, cannot exist in the same environment where praise exists. I wholeheartedly believe that. You can be confronted in negative. You could be in the middle of negative. But when you decide to choose to praise God, it cannot invade your space. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to thank him for my friendships. I'm going to thank him for my church. One of the biggest things that I do when the enemy comes at me and says, hey, how was Sunday? And I'm like, eh, okay, I don't know, God. <laughs> Wasn't really feeling it. I don't know if it was the greatest. You know, People weren't here, this, that, and the other. And he goes, hold on. Are you thankful that the doors are still open and lives are still being changed? Yeah, I am. Well, it shifts my whole thought on this place. When, when, when marriage is tough and, and, and I'm and, and walking through it and, you know, maybe it's not the greatest day, do I hit the pause button and go, you know what? I'm so thankful that I've got somebody who's willing to battle life with me even when I suck, even when they suck. I've got somebody who's willing to, to, to literally stand beside me and go, I don't like you right now, but I love you and I'm willing to battle life with you. God, I'm thankful for them. And it allows me to change my perspective and, and, and do stuff inside the, the relationship that is going to grow it. This power, it's not from ourselves, it's from God. And praise and worship is the doorway to which we unlock the power of God and his perspective in our life. You may walk through some stuff in life and, and listen, if praise isn't your weapon, you're missing out on one of the biggest tools you can have to shift your life into perspective with God. And I'm not saying that you walk around singing a song, it's the power of your name. It's like, no, no, no. The Bible says that speaking out his praise can be simply, God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for that you are you, who you are. When's the last time you thanked Jesus for going to the cross for you? Like literally spoke it out. Jesus, I'm thankful that you went to the cross and you died for my sins so that I could be saved. And it changes your perspective. Praising God allows you to see God's view of your circumstances and trust him with it. Psalms 42.5, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know what David was doing there? He was manifesting spiritual perspective. Every single one of us wake up sometime and we just don't like the day. What you do in that moment will decide what kind of day you will have. 
I want you to hear this. The enemy wants you to compound issues. Anxiety over anxiety over worry, and he's going to feed that by giving you really bad circumstances in the middle. You notice, it never really all goes, uh, it all goes wrong when it all goes wrong, because your mind is thinking that way. Oh, what next? And spiritually, this is what David was confronting. I'm depressed. This is what David was saying. Listen to me. Because we read the Bible sometimes and we make it so poetic and flowery. He says, why? You know, because this is how he would have spoken it. Why, my soul, are you downcast? What he was saying is, why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? So why are you so sorrowful? And in that moment, he could choose to do one of two things. He could feed it or he could starve it and he could feed faith. And what he says to his depression and what he says to his anxiety, what he says to his worry and what he says to his circumstances is this. Why are you downcast? I'm going to praise God even in the middle of how I feel because my feelings don't get to dictate my spirit. My feelings don't get to dictate my faith. And so I'm going to walk out my faith even when I don't feel it. Even when I don't understand it, even when I don't know completely what to do, I know that I can praise God. And by praising God, he starts to feed my faith and change my perspective. Listen, if you don't believe me, go back and read the Psalms. Read through David. He is constantly going through, you know, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but bipolar mindset. Like, he'd be like, dang, this day sucks, and and God, my enemy's always out to kill me. But you know what? You're good. Because he knew that no matter what he walked through, if he could just keep going back to to praising God and to putting him first and to shifting his perspective that it was not going to allow his spirit to be overtaken by the negative mindset that was trying to attack him. Praise is about perspective. Changes it. The second thing that praise does is this, is it sets priorities. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 in the message translation says this, don't fret or worry. (laughs) These scriptures, don't they crack you up sometimes? Like, okay, God, what do you want me to do then? Don't fret or worry. Now listen, this is what he's not saying. He's not saying, don't you ever have an issue. And I think sometimes that's how we preach about it. Don't fret or worry. Oh, it's bad if you do. Oh, and, and this is where we get really bad. You know, it's like, listen, Nancy, you're worrying. You must be not close to God today. How bad does that sound? And think about how how that makes you feel as a believer to go, do I buy that? Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Well, everybody else must have it together. Everybody who loves Jesus must know how to do this. And here I am on this. Do I really know God? And see, this is the problem with Christianity. And I'll be very upfront, is that we attack each other from within. Instead of building each other up, instead of seeing that Nancy may be going through it and worrying about something and going, we're there for you. We'll lift you up. Hey, we're going to carry you through this moment. We go, dang, Nancy, get it together, girl. You're representing Jesus. Come on. Pull yourself up from your bootstraps and look more like Jesus. How does that make us feel? That we, that we can't walk in and be real with one another and say, I'm having a tough day today. The world's doing it better. They're like, hey, it's okay if you're not okay. And we just go, yeah, that's great. It's not, it's, I'm okay if I'm not okay. But what's the alternative? Where's the fix? Where's the help? 
Just walk around like, I'm not okay, and it's okay that I'm not okay. No, Jesus wants you to be okay. Jesus never wants that to be the period. It's okay that you're not okay today, comma. But what are you doing today to make it better? And the problem is we go to the church and we're like, get it together. I don't know. And then we read scriptures, don't fret or worry. Thank you, Jesus. So helpful. But look, let's read it, it kind of, let's read it, and I want to give you a perspective of this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petition, oh, 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 you're faster than I am. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayer, letting God know your concerns before you know it, comma, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. See, if we just stop at the period of don't fret or worry, then we get overwhelmed like we're not close enough to Jesus. But when we read that, go back to that, that first one, first part. It says, instead of worrying, pray. And we're like, okay, well, how do I pray? And I love that it says this. Let petition, prayer, God, I need you. God, I need this. God, I'm feeling this. Petitions and praise shape your worries into prayer. God wants to know your heart. God wants to know what you're walking through. So instead of Nancy coming in and we're going, Nancy, get it together. You're not supposed to worry. You're not supposed to fret. Nancy goes, this is what I'm worrying about. And we say, hey, let's pray about that. Let, let's actually use that as a, as a tool to go before God, and we're going to pray about it with you, and then we're going to turn around and we're going to praise God. She's like, you know what? We're struggling. Fine. I'm just making stuff up, so don't go to Nancy and be like, do you need help? That's, I do not, do not share your business like that. I just want you to, I make stuff up about people, okay, just to prove a point. <laughs> Some of you are like, dang. Um, but, but think, because we all go through this, right? I've been there where I can't pay a bill, and I'm like, I don't know who to talk to. I'm afraid if I talk to anybody, they're going to think that I mismanage things or whatever. And so, so we, we hold it in and we stuff things. We stuff. We're good. We're, we're great at stuffing. And it's the worst thing that we can do. Because what happens is, is that then we set bad priorities and we don't allow God to be God. And then we put on the front when we come to church, how are you doing? I'm okay. Don't you see my face? It's totally okay. And inside you're going, I'm so worried that I'm not going to be able to pay this bill. I'm so worried that, that my child isn't following Jesus. I'm so worried that this world is going to be so bad for my grandkids. I'm so worried that my relationships are falling apart. But I can't tell anybody because if I do, they'll think less of me. Praise sets priorities. What I mean by that is this, is that when I praise God and when I pray to him, it puts him first. It says Scott's needs are secondary to God's needs in Scott's life. I've shared with y'all, and, and, and I love Mr. Randy's attitude, and he may say like, oh, I'm just, what other option do I got? Because that sounds like Mr. Randy, right? You know, what other option I got? I got to go through life. But his mindset through what he's dealt with, with his health. Man, it just encouraged me. And, and he may just go, oh, well, it's no big deal. I just, I mean, hey, got to get cut open. Things got to get rearranged. Got to get cancer out. It's no, you know, it is what it is. Man, you know how many people would just be falling apart? 
cut all the bad out. But the priority is that God is first in Mr. Randy's life. So everything else just kind of, it's like, man, I trust you, God. I, I, I put my perspective in place so that my priorities are in place. And when my priorities are in place, I trust even in the bad moments. I trust God even in the tough moments. Like, hey, you know what? I know life isn't really going my way, but God's my, God's my priority. And so when I put God first, I'm able to walk through the challenging times because it's growing me and he's going to give me a different perspective. Praise sets all of that up. When I thank God even for the moments that are tough, God, I'm thankful that I'm here and I put you first. That God is first and not your last resort. He puts things into proper priority and he will conquer your fears and he will give you peace. I'll give you this promise about priorities. When God is first in all the things that you walk through, the good, bad, and ugly, you will have a peace. Now that peace doesn't make the fear go away. Like you, like, and and, and I, I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that when you get it, you'll get it. Sometimes you just have to walk through things to get it. But you can have human emotion and the peace of God. Like you can be overwhelmed with life and yet there's something in the core of you going, it's okay. I got you. But it's not set up by doing what the world tells you to do. It's, it's not set up by, by, by wishing it away or, or following all the cultural norms to, to make things better or, or to hide and stuff and to run, which is so common in most people's lives. It is. And it's crazy to me that we think about like trauma in our lives. I'm going to end with this last mo- uh, point in a moment, but I want to hit this here. Because I think everybody sits there and goes, well, you know, you just deal with it. No. Stuffing it is not a way of dealing with things. Acting like it didn't happen isn't a way to deal with things. Wishing it away doesn't deal with things. And when we do that, we we push all of this down but trauma will raise its head up in our lives if we don't deal with it in a proper way. And I'm telling you, the only way that it can happen is when you give it to God. Now, is God the only thing that you need? Absolutely not. I believe in medicine. I believe in therapy. I believe, and, and listen, I didn't believe in therapy for a very long time until I met a therapist that I liked. I just being honest with you. I don't think therapy is, uh, I don't think ther- therapy is needed for everybody in every moment. But I had a friend of ours that was uh, on staff at our church in California, and uh, she put it this way, and I'm going to give you a good example of this as I, as I wrap around third, to the third point. Her name was Megan Jones. She was a, a licensed Christian therapist. And she asked me once, Scott, have you ever gone to therapy? And I said, nope. <laughs> Nothing against what you do. Don't think I really ever need it. And she looked at me, and she asked me a question that kind of made therapy all make sense. Now, I still haven't gone to a therapist. I'm just, I've, I've talked to pastors. I've got personal pastors that if I need to deal with something, they really do help. But, but, and I don't think everybody needs to run through a therapist for everything. But, all that being said, she said this. 
do you only take your car to a mechanic when it's broken? I was like, wow. Now, the answer to that for me was, well, yeah, because I know how to work on cars, but that's besides the point. But I got what she was saying. Like, if you only took your car to the mechanic when it was out of oil, you would have issues. Your engine would seize up and it would blow. If you don't change your oil regularly, if you don't change your tires out regularly, if you don't rotate your tires, if you don't check the fluids in your vehicle, right? Your car's going to break down. So if you don't check on your mental health and your emotional health and do regular checkups, and whether that's through a therapist, that's great. I'll tell people I have no problem sitting down and talking. I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to give you all the greatest answers all the time, but I can talk life with you and I can give you biblical uh positions and, and, and viewpoints of that. Prayer is a huge aspect of that. But all of that combined comes to the place where we set priorities in our life. If you're struggling with something, get help. Put God first and then find the help. Set priorities. Say no to some things. I want that to just sit there for a minute. It's, it's, it's okay to say no to some things. Because saying yes to everything over, is overwhelming. Well, but I got to help out, but I got to do this, but I got to do that. But you got to lose yourself in the moment of who you are. The last thing that praise does, praise opens prisons. In the book of Acts 16, Paul and Silas were arrested for loving Jesus, literally. And it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. See, they didn't do a thousand different things to, to, to make the prison doors open. It literally just says that they, in the middle of their prison, in the middle of being shackled and chained, they did two things. They prayed and they praised. And God showed up. My encouragement to you is that you maybe need to stop trying so hard. I got to fix myself. I got to fix myself. I got to fix myself. Oh, I got to be a better person. I've got to do this and 10 steps to the best healthy person and, 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 and five steps to a better financial freedom and, and all of these things and you're overwhelming yourself and simple things. The Bible said that Paul and Silas found freedom in their prison when they prayed and when they praised. Maybe you've been doing everything except praising God. And so because of that, your priority and your perspectives are completely off. And so you, you walk through life and you're like, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do, and I got to do all these check things and, and God's going, hold on, stop, wait, just stop one moment. Will you worship me? Will you put me first in your life again? 
Will you stop trying to drown this with, with numbing techniques? Drugs and addiction or alcohol or, or food or relationships or work? And will you, will you come back to me? You want, your, you want emotional freedom? Come back to me. Stop living in that prison like this all that you're, that you're condemned to hell's prisons of your emotions and your mindsets because you don't know any other way out. You're right. You may not, but God does. Not only does praise open our prisons, but others are listening and it impacts those around you. Think about what that scripture said. It says they prayed and they praised and the other prisoners heard it and were impacted by it. Your life and how you choose to prioritize God and and change your perspective and praise God in those moments, it not only impacts you, but other people are looking like, man, Randy, how did you walk through that? Man, it's God. Well, you say that like it's so easy. Well, it's because at the end of the day, it really is. I just put him first. I don't make it harder than what it's got to be. And it's not overnight. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a, a process. But we, we praise him and we put him first and we prioritize him. And we, and we do the things that we know that we have to do to keep God first. It connects us to the presence of God, opens our heart and mind, resets our emotions, and settles our spirit. I want to end with Romans 5, 1 through 5. And Hannah, you can come up. It says this. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Think about that for a minute. God calls, or let me, let me restate it this way. God says you have the ability to be flawless in his eyes. Pastor Scott, there's no way. I, I'm a human. Because it has nothing to do with you. Think about it. It says, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness So instead of God seeing just Rodney and all of his humanness and his humanity and and his faults, God sees Rodney through the eyes of Jesus who went to the cross for him. And the enemy wants to look at you and, and he wants to pinpoint all your flaws. Rodney, do you remember the other day how you talked to her? Rodney, do you remember those thoughts that maybe nobody else thought saw, but I, ah, I saw those. Hey, Rodney, remember on the job site when, when, when somebody made you mad? I heard those words. You think God's happy with you? This is what the enemy does. And, and, and I know I, I kind of make light of it, but you know what I mean. Because every day we deal with this not feeling good enough, not feeling close enough, not feeling righteous enough. And God says that he sees a flawless Rodney through the eyes of Jesus because of God's righteousness. Your past no longer defines you. Gone. So no matter what the enemy tries to tell you, it says gone. 
When you trust in Jesus, when, when Jesus, when your faith is in Jesus, God's righteousness, God's pr- presentation of his goodness is now represented, represented and given to you. The old, gone away, the new, washed over you. So, so, so the, the Chris or the John or the Eric or the whoever you were before Jesus doesn't even exist. enemy's going to try to get you to not believe that. The Bible says that God sees us flawless. He says, this means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that he has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressure will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character and proving character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. In short, what this scripture is saying is when Jesus is at the forefront of our life, when our faith is in him, then I get to experience all that God has even in the midst of all of my troubles. And that pressure, it refines me. It builds patience in me. It builds character in me. And it breathes hope into me. As we look at this November and we look at Thanksgiving, my prayer is this, that we get some tools that will help us to live a thankful life, not just have a thankful saying. Oh yeah, so good, good. God's so good. But are you living it? Not in the good moments, like, hey, it's going to be easy. Like, I'm about to shut up and say amen, and y'all are going to be like, amen, God's good. Let's go eat. But what about tomorrow when you got to wake up and you know, man, you know, it's Monday. Back to school, back to work, back to the hardships of life. Will you be able to carry the goodness of God in those hard moments? Yes, you will, because God sees you as flawless when you stand in his faith. Will you pray with me? I want to ask you this. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying this, man, I I could really use some prayer because I haven't allowed God to have priority in my life and therefore my perspective is not right. But today, I want to shift that, and I want to give God his proper place in my life. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Nobody looking around. Will you raise your hand just so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 I mean, hands literally everywhere. Which tells me that this sermon series is right on point with what God wants to do in our lives this month. He wants to shift our perspective back to his holiness that we would trust and walk in him. God, I pray for those that lifted their hands. I'll even take it a step further. God, those that even that wanted to maybe lift their hands, but they were afraid somebody was looking around. And 
God, that you would draw our heart back to you. God, I speak against the lies of the enemy, the overwhelming weightiness of worry and anxiety that this world can bring and the, the, the circumstances that we walk through. And when we don't put God first, how it's life over their person. I speak life into their friend groups. I speak life into their workplaces. I speak life into their emotions and their heartaches, their struggles, their trials, their addictions, their flaws. Because all the things that the enemy would want to speak to us, God, you have already went to the cross for. One death for all life. The only thing you ask for in return is that we would say that we would follow you with all our whole heart. And so today, God, help turn our hearts back to you. Help turn our hearts to a place, God, where we would, we would know your word and know your will and that we would speak it out and we would live it out. And God, I pray that praise would be something that we live daily, thankful for who you have called us to be and what you have called us to live. Thankful for a God who sent his only son to the cross so that we might know life. Thankful for Jesus who took all of our hurts and pains and said, you don't have to carry it by yourself. God, fill us with your righteousness so that you can see us as flawless. God, build our character. Breathe hope into our lives. And God, help us not run from the pressure, but help us to face it with a godly perspective so that we can show the world your goodness and that we can have your peace. I pray peace over this holiday season for every person that's walking through it. Peace into those that maybe it's their first holiday without a certain loved one. Maybe they passed away. Maybe they're no longer in their life, and so it's tough. And so, God, I pray your peace, your comfort, and your love, that we would know your goodness, and we would praise you for it. 